Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Uh, I can't believe how many of you don't care about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Call yourselves Christians. can't believe it. All right, so we're in a series uh, called If Not Now, and uh, you know, it's the season. It's time for us to think about our lives, and uh, we're trying to get our lives on a, on a track, is what we're trying to do. Progressively moving toward the things that matter the most in our lives, and that means arranging our daily lives around the things that matter most, and we've been arguing that Jesus, we believe that Jesus uh, is the best person to point you to the things that matter ultimately, things that matter the most, past the things that are temporary, and at the end of the day, they won't matter. So we started out by sort of getting a description of what we mean by that by looking at a verse and a story in Martha and Mary. Remember Mary, Martha's the, you know, she's cooking a meal and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's sort of complaining to Jesus that Mary's not helping her and this is what Jesus says. Say, so there's one thing that's needed, Martha, one thing that's needed, so we see it's necessary, and then Martha has chosen the best part or the best portion, in other words, the best meal. She's eating the best meal. And then Jesus says, this will not be taken away from her. So it's lasting. So it's ultimately, here's basically how we said it. The one thing has to be ultimately necessary, ultimately nourishing, and ultimately lasting. If it's not ultimately lasting, then it's not ultimately nourishing and it's not ultimately necessary. And so what you're trying to do, what we're all trying to do on a daily basis is figure out what matters the most and put our energy and effort there because there are so many things that will make you feel like they matter the most and you'll get duped all the time. All right, so we're, we, we looked at John 21 last week and we found this story about Jesus sort of coming to the beach and Peter's fishing and a few of the other guys and Peter failed miserably and Peter's just dying on the inside looking for an opportunity to come and encounter Jesus again Hoping he, hoping he can, and Jesus makes a breakfast for them. And we see three things come out of that meeting that Peter needed so desperately. And we're talking about a man who was, feels like we do oftentimes. We just, we're just not doing the things that matter the most. And so he comes on board, and there are three things we saw. And I'm arguing that these are the three things Jesus is constantly pointing us to that ultimately matter most. They're... they're They ultimately are needed, they're ultimately nourishing, and they're ultimately lasting. And the first one we said was intimacy with Christ. That's where we learned Martha and Mary. We said, you've got to go to the well yourself. You've got to have your own spiritual life with God. It can't be lived through someone else. Uh, You're getting it directly. So you got a Martha who's... you know, you might be Martha, who you don't have your own private relationship with God. You're always seeking Mary to get it. So there's always a, a person in between. And it doesn't mean you don't need Marys in your life, because we do. But you've got to be able to, you can go right to the source yourself. 
and develop your own relationship with God. It made me think I was uh, taking notes, and I, I don't know how many of you remember. This. Remember ABC gum? You remember ABC gum? Now, some of you don't, are not old enough, and maybe you, I haven't heard that term in a long time, and, uh, and I say old enough. I mean, um, you know, I'm 35, so if you're 35 and you're... Uh, you haven't used the word ABC gum. So when we were little, we would, we would, we would trick our friends. You, know, you want some gum? Yeah. You want some ABC gum? Yeah, absolutely. It was already been chewed gum. And so you'd take it out of your mouth. And, and some of us, you know, we were little kids. We'd take it. You know, we'd eat it. But it was the gum that, you know, it was already been chewed. And, and a lot of times you're getting your spiritual meal from somebody who's already been chewing on it. You look at it that way, it's kind of gross. <laughs> well, you could go right to the source. You can open this book yourself. You can read it. You can have a relationship with God uh, yourself and, and get that. And so that's what this is about. And remember what Jesus says in Matthew 4.4. 4. Uh, let's see. This is it. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So, I mean, we're feeding on a lot of things that ultimately won't last. This is how you know, because it ultimately won't last. And Jesus said, you, you've got to be hearing my word. I'm constantly going to be pointing you toward the ultimate. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Okay, so that's the test. Will it last? All right, so that's the first one. And the second one we, we looked at, and, and remember, this grew out of Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, are you willing to put me first your highest priority relationship. So then he says, not only do you love me three times, says that three times, and this one here he says, Peter, feed my sheep three times. Peter, this is your mission. It's going to cost you. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be aggravating. Uh, and this is the kingdom part. You've got to have a kingdom purpose. And this is what we talked about last week. Um, at all costs, if I'm tired or if I'm broke, I'm going to make sure the kingdom of God gets advanced. That's what Jesus is saying. And you say, well, why would I invest in that? What, what's so lasting about the kingdom? Well, think about what Jesus says in 1 John 2, 15, beginning of 1. Don't love the, wor the world or the things in it. If you love the world and the, uh, he says, the love of the Father's not in you. If you love the world, love of the Father's not in you. Because the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, arrogance produced by material possessions is not from the Father, it's from the world. You say, well, why, 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 not, put your, why not devote yourself to those things? It's passing away. There's the test. This is what you're asking all the time. Well, it's passing away and all its desires. The person who does the will of God remains forever. We're asking what lasts. And so when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about putting the kingdom first. Remember uh, Matthew 6. This is the net version. Uh, above all things, pursue the kingdom and its righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you. You can't pursue the other things and the kingdom. The kingdom has to be first. So seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we're trying to do. Now, let's tease that out for a minute because i got a lot of email before we get to the third one on, on, on community. All right. Um, so my son just five months ago, I guess, into August, moved to um, 
Colorado Springs. Took a job there and um, kind of got an Airbnb for the first month. But it turns out the, he's have this is a, um, a single gal, older, retired, um, and she cooks for Anthony, and Anthony shovels snow. That's pretty much the trade-off. And they've formed, a, you know, a great relationship. It's a perfect situation. And so uh, he can work and do what he's got to do. And um, but what's really interesting is over the months that I've called him, you know, my first concern, dad, I'm thinking, man, he's got to get acclimated. He's got to meet people. He's got to figure things out. And he's figuring things out. You know And I'm thinking? You can go from being just a tourist. You could visit Colorado Springs. But, you, but the first thing you'd want to do is you'd want to find a local. You want to find somebody who knows the area and knows the place. And when I think about the kingdom of God, you can always, you can act like you're a tourist in it. When I think about my kingdom purpose and I can't figure out what God wants me to be, what he wants me to devote my life to, what's that ultimate thing? What's the feed my lambs? What's that for me or for you? People struggling and many of you are saying, I don't know what that is for me. Uh, and so you kind of walk around the kingdom of God like a tourist. Like you don't really know where's the best place to eat. And you don't really know where's the best place to shop. But you meet a local who knows the area. And now he's telling me, Dad, you got to come. I found the best coffee shop. Oh, you are going to love coffee here. And, uh, and then he says, uh, oh, and I also found a little restaurant that I eat dinner at. I can get the most food for the cheapest amount of money. And I'm going, he, he's affected the economy there. I can tell you that right now. He's affected it with the food. And so, but you think, you know, you, you know when, you, when you're trying to learn, you, know, you might have to learn a new language. You got to learn new people. You got to figure out new places to go, all those kind of things. And you want to be sort of uh, a local in the kingdom. Yeah, I've seen that. I've been there. I've gone down that road. I've done it. Some of us are inexperienced in the kingdom. Now, that's going to lead, and the reason I'm bringing this up right now to lead to our third point, because it's important. Uh, so, um, and, you're, and some of you are, you may know what it is. You may know, but you're scared. I got a text from a guy who's listening to the talk. He doesn't come to Hillside. He's, he, he, he lives in another state. And he said, all he said after listening to last week's talk was, scary, bro. <laughs> that's what he said. Scary, bro. I said, oh. you, know, and in my, you know, I'm going, what's scary? A funeral where all we talk about is your, you know, your little hobbies? Or, or scary to do what God's calling you to do, even though it's going to make you maybe tired and a little broke to do it? Um, uh, I was reminded about the allure of gentleness by Dallas Willard because he says, if you're fearful, you ought to be. You're working with God. If you're in the kingdom and you're trying to figure out your prayer, you're working with God, I'd be a little fearful. Hey, you're going to work with God today. I'd be a little fearful. In fact, he says, if you're not, if you're not scared, he says, you're brain dead. That's literally what he says in the book. So, yes, it's a little bit scary. Now, if you don't know what that kingdom purpose is, that's okay. You don't have to panic over that and go, well, I guess I don't have one. No, you don't get to say that. You just have to get involved somewhere. And you got to get connected with some people in community, which we'll talk about here in a second. They'll help you figure out what you're going to do. You just, you just find a spot to jump in. Uh, you got to get involved. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, my family's drivers, truck drivers. And so when I got out of high, as soon as I got out of high school and in college, high school, you know, the our family took pride 
my grandpa, my, my, my uncle, my dad took pride in being able to drive anything that, that, that had to be driven. And their jobs required, they could show up on a job and then never know what they're going to be driving. And they got to be able to drive. And so I remember my dad training me on driving things. First time I had to figure out how to drive a trailer, first time I had to figure out how to drive this, and my dad trained me on those things. And they threw me right in the fire in driving stuff. I remember the first job I had, it was the hardest truck to drive. And if, you, if it was in neutral, I knew what I learned right away is it's a whole lot easier to steer, to, to steer a moving truck than it is to steer a truck that's just sitting there. If you ever have to put it in neutral, and it won't start. And you got to turn that thing. You need gloves, a back brace, and, a, a, you know, because it's insane. Well, you got to get moving. You got to jump in somewhere. You say, I'm not confident where the ultimate purpose is for me now, but I'm going to try this and see how it happens. And then pretty soon you figure out, ah, that's for me. That's not for me. Uh, that's just kind of the way it works. You just got to jump in um, and then get around some people because it doesn't take long when you're around people. I mean, just get around some people and you'll, it won't take long if you're close for them to tell you, you know what you're really good at? You know what you really have a heart for? You know what really, you know, bugs you? Uh, you ought to try that. Kingdom will help you. So in, in Atomic Habits, and this is because if you got your cage rattled last week, um, uh, in Atomic Habits, he makes a distinction that I think is really important today. It's the difference between motion and action. So uh, he distinguishes motion as uh, You'll, you, you'll figure, you're figuring things out. So you get your cage rattled. You go, yeah, I really ought to do that. Uh, maybe if I did that, I could do And you start to plan. And many of us are like, ah, oh, let me figure this out kind of people. Uh, and then you feel the emotions. You feel the emotion of, man, I'm not doing anything. And then you start to feel a little bit better because you, man, I'll try that. And then you, you go through this gamut of emotions and you haven't done anything yet. But it gives you the feeling like you have. And so you leave it alone now. Hey, I try. Yeah, it feels like I did a little something. And you did nothing. You made no progress. You made no action step. You didn't sign up for anything, show up for anything. You didn't write a check for anything. You didn't call anyone. You didn't ask anyone anything. You didn't do anything. And so you never make progress. But you can feel. And I'll tell you what, spiritually, this is a huge thing. We like to feel certain things spiritually, hear, learn things, and they never really come out of us. You can easily go through motions and never get to action. You can plan it to death. And then sometimes the planning overwhelms you and you never do it because there's no risk in planning. The risk is when you do it and you realize, I might fail. Or, wow, it's going to cost me. That's when you know you've taken a step in the kingdom. It does you no good to feel rattled. And not do anything. So, just so you know, um, you know, we have a go, to, go serve class. The go serve class is designed to help you figure out what you ought to be doing in the kingdom. They're pretty good at doing that. Uh, we can help you with that. Um, I'm really proud of the guys. You know, I had 19 emails from guys to join the Wednesday night group that I offered last week. We got 13 in the group. I've doubled it. I took... Jesus had 12, I added one. I, so we got 13 guys in the group. And uh, we start this coming Wednesday. And I got to tell you, these guys sharing their stories, this is the most incredible thing. And, you know, obviously the main one had to be, because if you were in a group, you, if you're already connected in any way, you can't, you couldn't be in it. 
And so these are men who are saying, you know, I, I, I lack this connection. I need this connection. And every one of them started this story with, uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. And then, you know, you get to the end and a couple of guys would say, uh, sorry, you had to read that, but you said to prove it. And it's so incredible. I mean, my, I'm just so excited about these guys stepping in. That's a step. That's a step. I'll be honest with someone about my life, where it's really at right now, and then I'll say, yeah, I'll join your group for five months or whatever it is. Um, that's a step. Now, let's talk about this community, because what are we going to do in that group? What's going to happen in that group? What's got to happen in that group? What do I need in my life? And it's the third one. And I want you to notice there's kind of a trajectory going here because this is the direction I want my life to go, in the direction of things that matter the most. And these, I am arguing, are at the core. Nothing else we talk about are, are, are going to be more important than any of these. So when you're assessing your life right now, okay, I've tried to, I held you back from some of the things you could be assessing your life on to focus on these first. Intimacy, kingdom purpose, and now community. How important is community? When I say community, and by the way, I've talked on this topic over the last 24 years more than any other topic in this church. It's hard for me to say anything new. But I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try to focus on something. What I mean by community is this. Because by the time I leave here, I want you to know whether you have it or not. It's spiritually meaningful relationships. I'm in relationship with people who draw their lives from God and they speak into me. Spiritually meaningful relationships. Now, I want you to think about something. Let's talk about the lasting. Is it ultimate? Is, that, is this really an ultimate thing? Ultimately needed, ultimately nourishing, ultimately necessary. Let's go to a, another story. Let's look at a story real quick. Uh, you've got this lawyer comes to Jesus. Okay, and, and he, he's a smart guy. He knows the law really well. He asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And if you want to get into this Jewish guy's head, here's what he's asking. What's more important than anything to God? What's ultimate? He's asking that question. That's what he means by what's the greatest commandment. But what should I focus on with my life? What would God want me to do? And so Jesus says to him right here, first word, first word. That's a relational term. You can't love without someone or someones. You can't be alone in love. It automatically establishes relationship. You gotta have it. So when God says to love, he means relationship with. So you gotta have a relationship with God where your whole, your whole being, heart, soul, and mind, your strength, everything. This is the, he says, this is the greatest commandment. You're like, okay, well, he asked for one, he got one. But notice this little phrase that Jesus puts in right there. Because what does that mean? There's a what? There's a second one. Oh, there's a second one. And I tell you what, I, I literally said to myself, I'm going to focus on this phrase right here. The second one is like it? How can the second one be like it? Like how much like it? Like... Uh, you know, you told me two things. I can only get around to one. Sorry. That kind of thing? Or not? And you, I want you to see they're so closely connected. You can't do it. 
You can't have a relationship with God and not have a significant, meaningful relationship with other people who know God. Can't do it. So he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can hang all of them on these two. There are two of them. <laughs> Speaking of Anthony, when he was a kid, little, little, he had the fattest hands, the big old fat paws. We used to call them paws because they, I don't know, they just were, <laughs> if you, you, it's unbelievably funny. It would just pause like this. And so whenever you would hand him something, like he'd always ask for something like candy or whatever it was, and you'd put one in his hand, he'd always go, two of them. He'd always say, two of them. And this is God saying, no, 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 there's not one of them. There's two of them. There's two of them. You can't just have one. You can't have one without the other. And many of us in our spiritual lives, we have figured out some way to relate to God only and not have significant, meaningful relationships in our life spiritually. Or, they, or they're lacking significantly. And what he's saying is by this second one is it's intrinsically impossible to love God and not have deep, meaningful spiritual relationships. You, you, you can't do it. You can't love God properly and you And you certainly couldn't love others without him the way he would call you to. Because he's going to define how love works. So you got to have both. And this is biologically true of us. This is not just spiritually true, as we're going to see, but it's it's just in your nature. You can't help it. You were designed for it. Years ago, I used to give this illustration on community. I mean, for for a while, I gave this illustration. It was a a book called Connect by a guy... Uh, from uh, who was a uh, uh, professor and speaker at Harvard Medical School. And he wrote a book called Connect, and it was really, it came around around just before 2000. And uh, I remember reading it. I've kept it because it's, it's just that good. Anyway, he, uh, he cited some studies on the importance of this kind of connection that I'm talking about. So here's one of them. Uh, one of them was like an incredible, incredibly important study. He wrote famous research done by a uh, Harvard social scientist. It was uh, performed in Alameda County, California. And this guy took place over a nine-year period. They tracked the lives of 7,000 residents of Alameda County. They found that the isolated people were three times, this is what, those were the findings, three times more likely to die than most relationally connected people. Very interesting findings included They discovered that people who had bad health habits like smoking, drinking, obesity, poor health habits, but had strong relational connections lived significantly longer than the people who had great health habits but were isolated. They concluded it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than broccoli alone. Uh, that's right. So, I mean, uh, if you're smoking and eating Twinkies, do it with some people. All right, you got a better chance. Do it with some people. All right, so that was the first one. Then he quotes this other one from the Journal of Medical Association. Uh, Journal of Med- Medical Association. It was, there's another study. 276 people were infected with a virus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh. That's great. I'm always trying to get rid of a virus. These guys wanted one. Produces that produce the common cold anyway. Anyway, in the study, they found that the people with the stronger emotional connections 
uh, deeper relationships, did four times better fighting off the illness than those who were isolated. These were the findings. They literally said it, uh, they were less susceptible to the, to the full impact of the cold. Uh, they shed the virus faster. And they produce, get this, produce significantly less mucus than relationally unconnected people. And concluded basically that unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. (laughs) Hey, listen, this is how you were designed by God. He designed you with this. It's biological. But now, listen, it's it's more than that. It's it's spiritual. Say, how close is the connection? Like, how close is one and two? This is what I was sort of thinking about all week. How close is one and two? Can I imagine a relationship with God doesn't involve deep spiritual meaningful relationships? And then I, I was thinking about a text that you will love. This is, a, this is in Matthew chapter 5. You'll remember it. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is having this conversation about relationship, about how to live in the kingdom. And he says one of them is So if you bring your gift to the altar, this is a gift for God that you take to the altar. Now, you've got to to go step back into time for a minute to imagine what it would have been like to get to the altar. There was only one. So imagine all of us have something we want to do for God, bring to God, offer to God. There was only one place to do it. You'd have to travel. You've got to to make your travel arrangements. And there wasn't great travel back in the day. So you've got to make travel arrangements no matter how far you lived away. You had to figure out what you were going to kill, what you were going to offer. You had to, you had to get that. You had to arrange all of that. You had to get to the altar where, where millions of other people are trying to get to. You're going to show up at this thing. You're going to stand in line with your thing. It's so incredibly sacred. This is the spot. And you're going to get there, and you're finally going to get to the altar when it's your turn. And you're going to put your offering down or kill it, whatever they did. And imagine, that's what it would have been like. And you bring your gift, and you're just excited. It's been not easy to get here. And then, you remember something. I mean, and he's got him right here. Got a long line of people waiting after, you know. I, I, I get my offering here. And in the moment, before I give it, I remember that I got a brother I have something against. I got a relationship out of whack. And it hits me right there. What do you do? You leave it right there. What? You leave it right there. Now, can you imagine you put your offering down, you got all these other people, sweaty, hot, uh, you know, waiting been waiting all this time they got things to do they can't wait to get to that moment and then you leave yours there and and say excuse me i'll be right back and you go find where is this guy who is it and you got to go find him and repair this relationship this would be equivalent the aggravation of this would be equivalent to being sent home from the dmv because you didn't have what don't i have Look, I'm here. I'm a citizen. I really do. Please let me drive. Please let me drive. You got 19 pages, but it's the 20th thing. That's how it is. Nobody goes to the DMV once. Nobody goes to the DMV once. Okay? All right, so uh, it, 
This would be the aggravation of you gotta be kidding me. I gotta come back? The second thing it would be, Dallas Willard really helps think about the sacredness. Imagine you're at a wedding and imagine a couple is getting married right here for you and the pastor says, will you take this woman? And he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I got an issue with somebody In in a sacred moment like that. And he has to run out and make the thing right. You, you don't be sitting here going, what? Not in this moment. And here's what God is saying. This is the main thing. You say, wait a minute. Is God saying that people are more important than him? No. He's saying that if God's the most important thing, then people are a priority to you. Leave the gift. And then he says, then you can come back and give me your gift. But if you imagine that somehow you have this incredible relationship with me and you do great things for me that that's all that I care about I'm going to tell you to put your gift down and go repair this relationship you get that relationship right that's the priority of relationships to God now I want you to because I think what's being said in the Matthew 22 22 text is the spiritual life at its essence, is relationships. Spiritually meaningful ones. Which means you ought to have some inclination for it. You ought to desire it. You ought to know it instinctively that I can't possibly have a relationship with God without those as well. It can't just be about me. There ought to be a strong urge to open up to other people, to connect to other people, that would be proof that the divine life is literally flowing through me. Uh, I'm, I'm translating through the New Testament. It's slow, you know, it's slow. But I'm reading through the New Testament in a real original language, and I'm reading it from easiest Greek to hardest. My professor gave us the thing about what's the, what's the hard, easiest to hardest. So you start in the Gospel of John, that's the easiest And then you make your way through some of the books and you get to the end, the hardest book, the hardest Greek in your New Testament is Hebrews. So it'll be nine years before I get to Hebrews because I'm going really slow. I'm in 1 Thessalonians right now. And I'm reading through 1 Thessalonians, having a quiet time this week. And I get to this verse right here. It says, now on the topic of brotherly love, you have no need that anyone write to you for you yourselves are, this is what he says, for you. On the topic of love, Thessalonians, by the way, if you read that book, they were lovers. They knew how to have fellowship and spiritually meaningful relationships better than anybody. And Paul says, I don't even have to write to you guys about that. It seems as though, Paul says, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you are practicing it toward all the brothers and sisters of Macedonia. And even Paul says this, even after that, he says, but I urge you, do it more. You think about that. Do it more. What more can I do, Paul? How much more? Well, I I got caught by this word right here, and it was a Greek word I had never seen. And it turns out that's the only time it's used in the New Testament. Turns out they can't find that word anywhere in the Greek. Uh, It's, it's, I never give you Greek words, but this is a great word, and you ought to learn it. Theod didactoi. So it would be T-H-E, yeah, T-H-E-O, 
D-I-D-A-K-T-O-I. Didact. Theodidactic. Theo is God. Didasco means I teach. God taught. This is an incredible word. It's not used again until the second century in some extra biblical terminology, which means Paul has now coined a word. He made up a word. I love that. And this is the word, theodidactic. That means here's what he's trying to put into words. You really shouldn't have to be told about this. God should be driving this truth home to you on a regular basis. Now, you think about this idea. Haven't you ever asked or been asked the question, hey, what's God teaching you? That annoying question. It's an annoying question to get asked. All right? But think about this word and what Paul is saying. Because Paul is saying, here's what I know for a fact he's teaching you about how to be a better, how to be a better lover in your relationships. There's never a moment in your life when you don't need him to tell you relationships matter and what to do about the pain in the neck relationship you've got right now. Because you constantly have it. So next time somebody asks you what God's teaching you, you say, Theo did deck to it. He's teaching me how to, how, to, how to be, relate better. Now, you say, what is all this saying to me? What it's saying to you is, you can't have a relationship with God without spiritually meaningful relationship with others. And your experience of God comes through other people. And in me learning to love people more, he's transforming me all the time. That's how he transforms you in relationship. Make you a better relator all the time because that's the essence of who God is. So I need to be with people who draw their lives from God for me to change. C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, he works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. I'm going to become a better person in your presence. So now let me take you back to John 21 and look at this third one in community where Peter is asked to come sit around a fire around seven of the guys he abandoned. And before Jesus says, hey, let me tell you about the personal side and hey, let me tell you about your your kingdom vision. He says, Peter, you need to go sit around that fire with those guys because that fire, it was around a fire where you abandoned everybody. Now you're sitting around a fire and everybody's there. And I want you to learn something from the light of that fire, Peter, that community, that community fire, because it's going to provide warmth from you when you need acceptance and when you screw up like you have now, but it's also going to be a purifier when you, when your life needs to be seen in a new light, in a brighter light so that you become a different person. You don't get to do what you did last time, Peter, and say, I don't know what those guys are doing, but it's just you and me, God, and I'll make sure I stay. That's not what God wanted at all. Peter, you get around that fire and you face those boys. And there's around that fire, remember, there's, there's seven guys, two of them, we don't know who it is. Nathaniel was one of them, Thomas was one of them, sons of, sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. So those are your scrappy guys. That's why they were called sons of thunder. And then you got John, who's the sappy guy. So you got a sappy and a scrappy, and we all need that in our life. The sappy guy, he's going to love you and accept you no matter what you do. Oh, come here, come here. And then scrappy's going to say, you get your butt over here, and you got to do that again, I'm going to knock you down. That's scrappy. You need both of those in your life. That's what community is. So I thought that I would take a moment and give you an illustration real quick 
about a community experience I had just last week. So I'm with my community. And uh, we tend to get pretty deep naturally. We've known each other a long time. And there's four of us, and we're, we're talking, and we've, 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 we've been through the gamut. We know each other really well. We can almost finish each other's sentences. We, um, we've hurt each other and had to forgive each other. We've, um, I don't know what I would do without it. So we get together, and this almost always happens. One of us can't help it. We just, we just start sharing. And about the time she, uh, one of us started sharing, the other one, uh, one got up and, and put a fire on. It just happened to put a fire on. And we were just, the, here was the firelight, and we were warming. I'm thinking, thinking of Peter by the fire, and we're, and we're just talking. And I just want to picture it for you, and I want you to assess, do you have it in your life? It's not easy to find, I know that. You'll have to struggle for it. You'll pay a price for it but it'll change your life. So we're sitting around and usually something happens. And so one of us will say, here's something I'm struggling with. And it comes out naturally in conversation. I'm, I'm hurt over something. And then, and then it gets brought out. And it could be personal. It could be interrelational. It could be somebody else. It could be anything. One person shares the struggle. And then here we go. Every one of us resonate with the dilemma. That's the first thing that happens. Here's a person who's going to be honest. And I mean honest. And they're not even going to be honest enough. But because the three of us are there, we're going to pull a little bit more out of you. We're going to ask a few questions. And we're going to get to the bottom of how you're really thinking in the way you're handling it. You brought it up because it hurts, but you're also not handling it right. And so that gets teased out. And the honesty is just incredible. And the love and the acceptance of the language, the tone that's pulling that out of the person is so understanding and loving and accepting that forgiveness is actually happening, but no one's saying, I forgive you. You know what I'm saying? Because the way you're treated when you screw up. Or when you're thinking about screwing up. And so this exchange is happening. And if you're the person that's being honest, you're being loved and accepted. We can resonate with you. We've all had the dilemma. We know the temptations to think the wrong way about how to deal with it. And now you're going to get three different perspectives. And so here comes the first one, then this one, then this one. And all three perspectives. And then we start poking holes in each other's thinking. Well, well, if you did that, this would happen. If you act like that. But all of it is designed perfectly to promote godliness above it all here's the godly response this is what you got to do we all looked at it a little bit different ways we're challenging each other but godliness is being promoted and in the process of all of that is the unique deal you're doing your best to help this person do what would honor god and in your own life you're assessing yourself what would i do in that situation have am i in a situation like that well i'm not and then somebody else will say you know what i'm dealing with i'm dealing with this and, and then and it fits in this way. And all of a sudden, everything required to heal, to heal and to do the right thing are right there. So you get sappy and you get scrappy. And by the time you're done, there's a bond where there's no way you could leave this house and not be on the road to doing the thing that you ought to do. There's no way you could do it you couldn't do it no matter how costly it is to you and we're all bound in it now it's not just my problem we're bound in it and we're bearing each other's burden and when we see each other again what do you think is going to happen 
We're going to want to know how we did. We're going to know what we learned. And at the same time, you're accepted and you're pushed to be what you ought to be. Now, you could try to live the Christian life without it. But you're not going to have that honesty. You're not going to have anyone help you be more honest than even you are. You're not going to have anyone point to the right thing to do and hold you. Now, I don't even want to use the word accountable. Just love you into doing the thing. Because you know there's no better way to do it. That's what I'm talking about. To be bound together with someone to do the thing God wants me to do when everything in me wants to do the other thing. That kind of community. And so I'm telling you what I would do if I were you, and I'm just a challenge. I'm just in a challenging mood. Have you noticed that over the last month? I'm wearing myself out. I'm yeah. tell you what, if I were in, if I were you and you'd say, you know what, I have some relationships. None of them sound like that. Yeah, I go to a small group. I'm in a little men's group thing. Maybe I got that. Who knows what you got? Maybe you're on the verge. You're close, but that's not happening. I'll tell you what I would do. Some of you got small group tonight. I'll tell you, I'd call a big time out of everything. All right, we need to stop eating. We need to uh, uh, not be, not to sit around listing all our prayer requests right now. How about somebody share something unbelievable? You know, we're going to be looking at these things here in just a minute. This is coming up. We're going to be looking at health a little bit. These aren't my favorite topics, but they're, they're things that we're all wrestling with right now. How can I be a little bit healthier? Uh, how can my marriage relationship be a little bit better? Um, what about, uh, man, I could really use some help with my money. I got um, other issues. How about morality? I, I'm doing some things right now. And here's how you want to assess these things, because these are not the most important things. We dare not make any of them ultimate. The question you're asking with these is, is any of these keeping me from putting the kingdom first? That's the only question. Not do I need to look beautiful. I don't care if you can run a marathon or not. How about psychological sanity? How about when I tie my shoes, I don't need to recover? I don't need recovery time. Because that might be keeping me from doing something in the kingdom. How about mental health? Some of us, are, some of us in this room truly, and maybe all of us, are a little insane with the way we think about things, but you get into a community. I had somebody tell me this week, you know, uh, after the first service, you know why I'm not in community like that is because I can't handle different opinions. That makes you the most brilliant person in the world. (laughs) Do you really want to live with that? So you're not sane. Your marriage. You know, we think about your marriage and you go, you know, I'm trying to just have a happy marriage like we were here earlier. How about this? How about I just want to give my wife what she needs so that she can be the best person in the kingdom of God that she can be. Whatever space she needs, whatever help she needs, whatever love she needs to make sure that she can be what God wants her to be in the kingdom. And how about she do that for me? Support each other and encourage each other in the kingdom cause. Not just so the two of us can... Be happy today. There's a bigger reason for it. How about money? How many of you would say, my, yeah, my marriage is keeping me from, from having a kingdom purpose because my wife won't let me do anything. Or he won't let me do anything. 
How about money? You're like, how many kingdom things have crossed your plate in the years that you've been a Christian and you can't do it because you have no money, you have no margin? That's what ought to bug you. God, I want to do some things for the kingdom. And I can't. Anything else getting in the way? Because that's what, I got a habit, I got a moral habit, I got a moral issue going on in my life. You need to start hating it because it's keeping you from the kingdom. That's how we're going to look at these things. I got to figure out, and I don't know how we're going to do it, how to figure out how to make all these things fit into that kingdom process. Because they're the things that matter most. So why don't you walk into a small group today and go, you know what, guys? I'd like to have a kingdom purpose. I have no idea what it is, but I'll tell you one thing. This one right here is screwing my life up, and I can't figure out how to get my money together. And now, even if I had a kingdom purpose, I couldn't do it. Do that in your small group and watch what happens. (laughs) Then have a Twinkie. Light up and have a Twinkie. And then everybody in the room go, oh, yeah, well, as soon as you do that, as soon as you do that, the other guy's going to go, yeah, well, my marriage is keeping me from doing it. And the other guy's going to go, yeah, well, I can't see my shoes to tie them. (laughs) And then this guy here is going to go, well, you know, I got a habit that's ruining my life personally. That's when now you are talking. Hey, don't you think that's what ought to be happening in your small group? There it is. All right, you know what we're going to do? Uh, I'm going to challenge you. We're going to take communion. The band's going to come out. We're going to take communion here. And I want you to be thinking about this as you're taking in communion. You know, communion is a community thing. You were never supposed to take communion by yourself. Communion is about us. And you're taking in the elements. And you're saying, I'm a part of this group. I believe what Jesus did for me. I want the nutrients of that. And what do you think the nutrients are for? What would you think God would tell you after what we've just seen in the scriptures today? If I'm going to feed you and nourish you, then you better have spiritually meaningful relationships in your life because you can't do without them. That's what communion is about. So you're going to get up here in just a second. You're going to go get your elements. And if you're not comfortable taking elements, it's okay. Don't have it. I don't know if you're gassed or if you're, you know, maybe you're not ready for that. You don't have to take them. Just, just mingle around and then come forward with everybody. And uh, we're going to sing just the chorus of one song, just the chorus of one song. And we're going to take it together with a challenge. All right. So go ahead and do that. And then uh, I'll meet you up front here. Okay. So uh, before I lead us through this, let me, let me say something to you real fast that I just felt. I really love being here your pastor and I really love that you showed up after last week we really don't make it easy on each other in here and you come back for more and I want you to know I love you for that I love you for it and I don't say anything to you ever that I haven't said to myself I make sure of that before I get here. Okay? Um, so thanks for receiving it. It says a lot about you. Now with that said, it, this is really easy to go through motions and it not really change anything in my life. This is, I mean, church is the best motion place in the world. You know, this motion, this motion, and then I never really change. 
I'm challenging you. Take this in you. This is Jesus saying, I'm going to show you what's ultimate. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you what it takes to accomplish it, even though it's going to hurt. I'm like, this is what he's doing. So I'm challenging you to take an action step after today. Because he gave his life for you. thank you for thank you for showing us how to die so we can live moving us Lord no motions this week actions in Jesus name Amen if you need prayer hey thanks for watching today's message we hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith if you enjoyed it let your friends know we'll catch you next